All right, guys, we uh, hope that you are already a Go Hunt Insider or Explorer member. But for those of you that may not be, uh, Go Hunt, Explorer, uh, and Insider memberships are going to empower you guys to get out in the field and get hunting uh, each fall. Um, we know what hunting has meant to us in our lives, and we want to put more people out in the field and get people a chance to, to get out and go hunting. Insider memberships are going to give you draw odds, uh, hunt filtering, point tracker, desktop and mobile apps, or maps, I should say, for all 50 states. You're also going to get dollars back on all your purchases in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Uh, you're also going to get application strategy articles to help you understand the draw systems, uh, population and trophy trends, and pretty much everything that you would need to know to make the most of your application each year. Uh, with the Go Hunt Explorer membership, you're going to get desktop and mobile maps. You're also going to get a point tracker, and you're also going to get those points back, which is dollars back on purchases in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Uh, with that, if you guys want to sign up, you can use my promo code, which is going to be Game Trail, uh, which is the name of the podcast. Uh, if you sign up for an insider membership, we're going to give you 50 points, which is $50 back to the Go Hunt Gear Shop. If you sign up for an Explorer membership, you're actually going to get 20 points back to the Go Hunt Gear Shop. So. Use that promo code Game Trail. Sign up for either an Insider account or Explorer uh, membership, and get yourself out in the field each fall. So with that, um, <laughs> we'll get down to actual brass tacks. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, right? Uh, I have a, a guest today. Um, I was actually trying to think of when we first met. I don't even remember, but I've got Crispy on the podcast today. Crispy, how are you? Yeah, good man. Good. <clears throat> Glad they have a little jump on. Yeah, I don't know when we first met. Um, I want to say it was like a total archery challenge or something a few years ago. Yeah, I do too. But I was trying to think about it before we jumped on today. And I was like, I don't even really remember how we got connected. But somehow I, it was, probably was a total archery challenge. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't quite remember. <laughs> so uh, it was with, Maybe it was with one of the Matthews guys who jumped on a course. Probably was. Probably Derek. Oh, <laughs> I wonder how Derek's doing. If he ever takes me back, I might know, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dude, Derek, him Derek is, De yeah, we can call him out because we're really good friends. But yeah, he's, <laughs> his communication skills can be better at some time. Funny, funny guy. I should get him on this sometime just to see what he's up you to. You should. Yeah, that would he be would. good. So, um, I mean, I think most people that are going to listen to this, that would, you know, listen to anything that I would possibly put out would probably know who you are. Um, but just quick synopsis, like give us a rundown on what you're doing right now and you know, what, what are you doing for a living? That was probably going to be part of my question, but, um, you know, maybe you can follow it up with like, what's a, what's a work week look like for you? For, well, I've been bow fishing for the last day and a half, <laughs> which I guess is considered work. Um, uh, but yeah, I kind of, my main, main thing that I do right now is my YouTube channel. Um, uh, mm -hmm. it is kind of the, the center uh of everything i do everything kind of works around that so youtube channel we go hunting in the fall and we shoot archery all the other times so we make videos we try to do two videos a week um and starting that i mean i, I started it back when i was 16 um and i was able to kind of grow it throughout high school and college and then when i was still in college i was able just to kind of run right into it and never really had a, a real job so yeah we'll just jump that's right crazy and that's what it that's what i do and we do uh man all sorts of stuff how how old are you now if you don't mind me asking 26 26 so you've been out of for 10 years yeah it's been it has been 10 years since the channel has been created 
Mm-hmm. Um, it has probably been four years of really trying, like yeah. consistently. You still you still digging it? Still liking it? Yeah, it's good. Um, it is. It has changed a lot. You know, like early on, it was uh, I did it. I did it because I really enjoyed filming and editing and making videos. And now, like, I don't do anything. Like, I like, I don't. Yeah. I hardly film. I hardly edit. So it's like, definitely, definitely changed. I mean, it's still good, but it's just like, I've I've learned to. I still have to like tap into my creativity in other ways and stuff. Yeah. Keep that fire going. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good, but it, man, it's like business now. It's just yeah. changed. Turned like creativity of like just wanting to start a YouTube channel and make videos. And now it's like turned and changed into so much more. So. Yeah, it is. It is kind of uh bizarre. I remember, you know, like when I came from uh, like the DWR working for division wildlife and it was, you know, doing biology and that kind of stuff. And then you know, my love of hunting, I wanted to transition more to like work within the industry and just get a chance to go hunting more. And then, you know, to like doing ori- like go on original films that we put out and, mm-hmm. you know, having a cameraman with you all the time. And then like all the other content that we do, there is like this, it's a little, it's, it's kind of changed how I feel about it. You know, it's, it's just so yeah. much, di- it's so much different. And it's um yeah it is 100%. hard to, it, it's hard to like keep the you know keep the creative juices and then always have like this drive to like go out and you know create content but it's good yeah yeah, yeah keep, for a long time it. yeah I've, since I was sixteen it might even have been earlier than that fifteen um mm-hmm. I had every single deer I shot with the bow on film until last year yeah i mean it was like 50 plus deer on film like i i just i was just psycho about it i would like solo film and and um yeah yeah, i was just finally like last year i was like i just need to go on a hunt and like not film it so like Mm -hmm. last year in south dakota i just me and some buddies we just went and uh just you know kind of went hunting and shot a shot a buck without even filming it. it it was cool it felt weird but it was cool yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I think I think you need to do that. And uh, like now, like last year and this year, I went on like a couple turkey hunts where I didn't film, I didn't do anything. I just went to enjoy it, which is uh, I think really important, especially especially for people filming nonstop, making content and everything. It's like you gotta, you know, we we started for reasons that still need to be true to this day. Um, which it, I feel like personally that it, it's always stayed true, but when sometimes you disconnect completely and you just like go on a hunt just for no reasons other than going on a hunt, it's just, I don't know, for me, it's like really good. I'm definitely going to do that like one or two times yeah. a year. Yeah. It's kind of a nice, I don't even know. It's, it's not really like, um, to me anyway, it's not like, you know, one is, you know, better or, you know, than the other right or wrong, you know, like I don't look at it like that. It's just like, those times when you go out on your own, it's it's just nice to not have to worry about anything, but just your objective at hand. You know, like all all I'm out here to do is just you know kill an elk, kill a deer. You know, everything I don't have to worry about anything else. You know, I don't have to have, you know, batteries or any of that stuff. It's just nice to like yeah. totally disconnect and just like focus on one thing. So I totally understand that. But um, 
So listen, I wanted to ask you, I have a bunch of questions. I don't know if you saw that. I kind of sent you a little link I, just to think about. I like oh, to try to prep. Yeah. I don't know if you even looked no, at it. I didn't because, look at it. I yeah, can't read very well, so I don't like reading too long. Yeah, no no, no worries, man. I get it. You'll you'll be able to answer most of these offhand anyway. But um, I wanted to, you mentioned your YouTube channel. I recently watched one of your uh, videos that you put out was the thousand arrows a day. You wanted to try to shoot a thousand arrows in a day, which is like what the yeah. Olympic development, is that right? Kind of the USAR jury center. Yeah. They kind of, they had, they have like this inside thing um, where like if you're training at the Olympic training center for like a summer, like you try to shoot a thousand arrows in a day, like towards the end of your training or something. Um, So yeah, that's where we came up with the idea. It's really absurd. (laughs) (laughs) I I watched that uh, yesterday and it looked like you got to 400, which is a a pile of arrows. So it's like I was averaging right around like a hundred arrows an hour, like you know you shoot, and I was shooting a dozen at a time mm-hmm. at like sixty yards. So it's like walking took up a lot of time, um, just straight up shooting like a good shot, like you could just zip it back and swing it. Um, but yeah, I mean it's so time consuming. If I so in that video I started at like nine a.m. and I had to stop, and, and I did it for like a few hours while like really filming. Like lock down, adjust the camera, like all the all the stupid things that involve filming. So that was time consuming. But I only shot like I think 150, 200 arrows in a few hours in the morning. Then I like then I had to do a bunch of work stuff. And I came back at it at like three or four p.m. and then went until eleven p.m. I don't think the video showed that very well, but it was like late. I had lights out and everything. Yeah, to shoot like another you know, 250 arrows and film it and everything. But if I had, if it's possible, if you start at like 6 a.m. and like go all day with a couple of gaps and spaced out, dozen at a time. But yeah, yeah, it's it, shooting a lot of arrows is very time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. As I watched that, it brought up, uh, it brought up some questions and I just kind of wanted to, to ask you, I, I see a lot, you know, on social media, you know, it, I'm getting my, my hundred or 200 arrows in a day. And I often wonder like how many people actually shoot that many arrows a day. Cause that's a shit ton of arrows. Um, Dude, and I had a clicker, you know, yeah. so it's like, I, sometimes you shoot like 40 arrows and you're like, man, that felt like a lot. Like that was yeah. probably a hundred arrows. It's like, no, that was, you start thinking about it. It's like, no, that was only, you know, 40 or 50. Yeah. Um, and I'm guilty of that. I mean, I'll go up to my, my uh, range up the Canyon in the morning and, I'll come home and I'll think, oh, I, you know, I probably shot 50, 60, 100 arrows. And if I go back and actually add it up, you know, it's, it's probably 40, you know, 30, 40. Yeah. And, and it'll probably take me an hour to walk through the range and shoot that many. But I, I thought that was interesting is if, how time consuming it actually is to shoot that many arrows. And it also had me thinking like in terms of like, um, you know, becoming a better archer, you know, be- becoming a better shot, if you will, more accurate. Like, how much do you think that plays into, you know, progression of archery and getting better, like actually shooting arrows? Yeah. And if and if if that is the case, like, how many do you think a, a person should be shooting to actually see like real and meaningful, you know, change improvement yeah. in themselves? So I'll go back to um, when I had a whole bunch of time, which was like high school, um, when I would do a lot of competitions. So I was like very regular. I mean, I'd shoot five, six times a day for a hundred, 150 arrows and spend two, three hours every afternoon after school shooting. So I always, 
me personally, in my form and my shooting, I always think of those times, like those few years where I would shoot, you know, 400, 500 arrows a week. Like my foundation was built there. Mm -hmm. So now, now all I do is like pick up my bow and get like, you know, shoot 50 arrows a few times a week. And I, I, I feel like my foundation is already there. So I just like kind of tune it up. Um, so to go to your point, yeah, I think shooting a lot of arrows is very, very important. And I think if someone is really trying to change their form or fine tune uh, or big changes or whatever, like 50 to 100 arrows a day, three to four times a week is like what it takes. You know, like going to a range once a week, I mean, you're going to maintain where you're at, you know, but it's it's no different than any other sport. Like to get truly good at a sport, you need to put in some serious time. Yeah, no, archery's no different. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think you you build a foundation as far as like your actual form, and and again, I'm not a great shot by any means. That's why I ask you. I'm I'm a good shot. I wouldn't say I'm a great shot by You're any good. means, but yeah, yeah, I'm a good shot, not a great shot, but I. I've always wondered that, you know, like what would it take to actually, you know, put yourself into, you know, a more competitive situation as far as shooting goes. And, and I wondered how much yeah. just a- actual repetition plays in that versus, you know, the rest of the game, you know, there's no right answer either yeah. because I know, I know guys, uh, that win tournaments all the time that never practice. They just pick up, pick up their bows, but I'm sure that a time in their life, a time in their career, they had a long amount of period where they were shooting a ton of arrows. Yeah. You know, like no, you can't, you obviously just can't pick up a bow and be really good. So yep. it's like, even the guys that just kind of pick up their bow on a whim and shoot really good now, they've had, they've had that foundational step in their career to figure everything out, learn, get that muscle memory down, all that jazz. So at some point they've had to have done it. <laughs> You got to think, built the foundation. I I like, I like your, uh, your thought process on that. Um, let me ask you, I have, I'm curious about your aiming process and, um, I think I've seen, I've seen it a bunch on social media. I'm going to ask, yeah, I guess as I, as I go through this, I want to kind of bust some myths or just confirm some, some things that people, you know, suggest, and I just want to get your take on it. But one of the things I see often, uh, in, in regards to aiming, is I see people, your coaching, you know, influencers, whatever they may be, uh, suggesting that, you know, you draw your bull as leveled as you possibly could, and then you immediately put the pin on the target. And then from that point, your, you know, your focus is on your intent, your, your intended spot that you're going to hit, right? Um, mm. and, and then, I mean, through the actual execution of your shot, you know, where is your focus? What are you thinking about as you're going through your shot process? So I was interested in, you know, one, your take on, you know, drawing the bow level. Do you try to draw your bow level? Do you immediately take your pin to the dot? Uh, or do you come down on the dot? Do you come up on the dot? I come, I'm interested in, in your aiming process and how that works for you. So draw, drawing the bow level, like sticking your arm straight out, on hit, aiming at the target essentially, and then just polling is like it's in my eyes is so bad for you it's incredibly hard i know that it's incredibly hard like i couldn't pull the poundage i'm shooting if i like i could pull it back like that but um doing that a lot is just not good in hunting situations yeah sure like you can make it happen um so 
that's I would say that's a myth, like wanting to do that. Um, and mechanically, so I, I like to think about it like as a, a lever, like leverage is what you're trying to do, pulling back your bow. So if you if you kind of like hold your bow up above your head just a little bit, it's not sky drawing like yeah. this, you know, but it's just holding your bow up a little bit. And all you have to do is relax. And just by dropping down, you're creating this like leverage motion and you're almost just opening up. You're opening up your chest. You're using your back muscles. And in that process, you you draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I'm not a big dude at all. And I, when we built like a hundred pound bow, like I could pull back a hundred pounds by yeah. doing that. Yeah. If I tried, if I did like this or like straight across, like I would not be able to do that at all. Um, so it's just like leverage. It's using that leverage, dropping down. Um, I do not like drawing straight. Some people, even in my videos, like I might do it even a little, a lot sometimes, like using a lot of leverage. You're like, oh, you're sky drawing. Yeah. Like, no, it's like by the time you hit your back wall, your level, that's yeah. the thing. Like you start, like, like it's, it's the drop in motion almost. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a George Ryle thing is using that leverage, opening up, um, Using 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 your entire body, you know, like using it properly, rather yeah. than just like straining one muscle to draw your bow back. Yeah, I found that like if I try to draw my bow level, it doesn't feel like it sets my my form up. It just doesn't feel right. Like no. it feels it feels completely off. My muscle configuration feels off. It just feels uncomfortable, you know. Versus if I get a little bit, you know, a little bit of like you're saying, a little bit of leverage and then pull into it, it feels like my back muscles. You know, my front shoulder, it feels like everything kind of lines up. So I, I was curious in, in your take, do you, when you aim, I mean, are you coming down onto the dot or do you immediately try to take your pin to the dot? How does that work for you? So what I try to do um, is, you know, obviously you pull back and before you even anchor, you want to put the pin on the target. Mm-hmm. So it's like pull back, pin on the target before even anchoring. You don't even have to look through the peep sight. You just like get on it and then you bring the peep sight to you. So it's like scope on the target, peep sight into frame. And then you're pretty much on it. Like I don't like there. I don't like swooping in one side or another. I mean, that's just asking to get some target panic. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, it just get on it as fast as you can put the scope on it before you even anchor. Gotcha. And then when you you take your pen to the target, you take your 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 pen to your aiming dot. At that point, are you are you pretty much just focusing on your impact point of where you want to hit it? Are you are you aware of your pen? Are you focusing on your pen, or are you mainly focusing on your intended impact point? I. <laughs> I'm going to get a tickle my throat. Sorry. Dude, I, I did this. I did a podcast yesterday and this guy asked me a question. I'm right in the thick of it and I could not talk. It sounded like I was crying. <laughs> it sounded like I was crying. Yeah, he was like, are you crying? I'm like, kind of. Uh, I just can't, I just can't speak. Dude, my, no, my allergies are so, my allergies are so bad in the springtime. <clears throat> and then we were bow fishing all the yesterday, like busting through cact, cattails and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just, oh, like, I'm just all, I'm just feeling right now. Um, but yeah, so. When I aim, the worst thing to do is to stare at your pins. You don't want to look at your pins. You want to look at your target and what you're trying to hit. And essentially, your pin floats in front of that. If you start, if you start looking at your pin, 
and really focusing on trying to put it exactly in the middle, you're, you're going to fail. So you're going to want to, it's, it's no different than like throwing a baseball. Like you just want to aim, you want to be looking at what you're trying to hit. So it's like looking at the middle, letting your pin float right in front of that, right in your vision, being very intentional about it. I mean, this is like, we could go into Joel Turner shot IQ stuff. <laughs> like I agree with everything that he says, like immensely because it's, it's true. Um, being very intentional um, and aiming very intentionally. You know, there's no, as soon as you start, like in, in my head, if you start looking at your pins, trying to over aim, trying to have too much control over it, like it, it's going to go wrong. You know, yeah. so it's like having that, looking at your target. I mean, it's no different than if it's an animal, like you could, it, people always say like, pick a hair out, like or something on the animal. Yeah. Like that's true. Like you want to like, stare at what you're trying to aim, let your pin float, you know, right in front of that and then make a really good controlled shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I found that I struggle with is it's actually, uh, I I don't necessarily, I think it's a focus issue is what it is when I'm, you know, at full draw, I'm at anchor point and I'm trying to execute a shot is I have this tendency, I think, to switch my focus back and forth between the point I want to hit and my pin. Yeah. And, and and I think part of it, if I'm honest, is I think it's, you know, I'm nearsighted in one eye and farsighted in the other. And I think I've got some issues going on with like pin clarity. So it's not like the pin is le- yeah. really, really blurry for me if I'm looking at my target. And so I think I have this focus shift back and forth between the target and my pin and and I think ultimately it causes some, me some issues. I probably just need to get the optometrist to get my eyes figured out. But um, yeah. as, as part of that, one of the questions I, I wanted to kind of flesh out with you is, uh, you know, how do you maintain your focus? Like for you, do you have any tips, tricks? Is like when you actually anchor, you know, you're, you got your pen on the target, you're staring at it, you know, you're, you're going through your execution. Like, do you have any tips or tricks, um, you know, mantras, the things that you say to like help you maintain your focus as you pull through the, and, and actually execute your shot? Because I also find that a lot of the time, like, you know, my mind will wander, you know, I'll start thinking about yeah. something at work, you know, I'll think about something with my kid and then, you know, I'm just not intentional about it. It's so, like, do you have any tips or tricks to help you focus when you're at full draw and you're trying to execute a shot? The easiest, the easiest thing to do is come up with a saying, like something to say, like, mm-hmm. uh, like here we go or pay attention or one, two, three, four, five. Um, for some reason, I always go back to pay attention. Yeah. Like, especially I, I remember very vividly, uh, I shot an elk in Montana two years ago and it was a pretty tricky shot. Um, it was like 83 yards. And I had a good range on them, but I had to like get down on my knees and I'm at full draw and I'm like shit aching. I mean, it was like, I'd never been out. I'd never been successfully elk hunting. So this is like sure. the first elk I've had in front of me. And it's a giant, it's like a 330 bull. And I am just rattled. And I remember getting a full draw, looking through my peep and my pin is like, it's like freaking bouncing, you know, like, like, like I'm going like all over the lungs, man. And I'm like, and all, all I remember is like, pay attention. I just kept saying, pay attention. Um, I might've even said like, in my head, I was like, this is like a once in a lifetime, like sort of deal. Like, Oh no, get your, <laughs> get your stuff together. But what it did, it, it, it like cleared me up like this though. Like it really yeah. did. Like me talking to myself, it cleared me up. Mm-hmm. 
So I like settled the pin. I went through my click. I didn't punch the shot at all. And I rolled through the back tension. And I mean, I drilled it like right yeah. behind the shoulder. So, but like having, having a staying in your head that you can fall back on and truly you should do it on every single arrow. Every single arrow should be exactly the same. Um, which is very hard to do. I don't do it. Like I, I'm very guilty of it. Like you go to practice and you're just like, ah, oh, there's no pressure. I don't, I don't have to say my, you know, my mental yeah. stuff right now. Like there's, there's nothing going on. Um, but what really helps with, with dealing with all your mental game and your shot process and everything for me was the tournament side of things. So even, even small stuff, even, uh, like league night, uh, you know, like $20 bets or something like just a little bit of pressure, a little bit of something to get your, get your blood pumping really makes you learn how to deal with stress in those moments. Um, you know, if you've never, I mean, that's why buck fever is a thing, you know, guys shooting their backyard and then they only get these like really adrenaline rushes once a year, twice a year you know, on an actual animal and they just freak out, you know? Yeah. So tournaments help with that a lot. Um, learning how to like stay, say a little saying to myself to really slow me down and control it. Um, knowing that I have to go through my process like fully in the right way or it's not going to work. Um, yeah. and then just, you know, shooting a lot of animals like helps with that. Like you just, you fine tune that. And yeah, obviously you screw up every now and again, but yeah, I don't think there's any replacement for that. Right. I think just more, the more opportunity yeah. you've got to have an animal in front of you with, you know, when you're at full draw and executing a shot and having it work out, just the more confidence you get and, and your nerves oh, yeah. really kind of figure themselves out. Um, yeah, that's all good. I, I, I'm reminded, you know, my, my oldest kid, I tell him all the time when he's shooting a foul shot, you know, see it go in. When he's at the foul shot and that's just like visualization, you know, that I want him to do when he's at the foul line. Yeah. Just, you know, you want to watch that before you even actually take the shot, you know, in your mind, you've already done it. It's already gone in. So that's like a good little, you know, piece of advice I probably need to, to put in my own little, you know, quiver of tools. So there's a um, good book, um, with winning in mind. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, have you heard of it? Yeah. It's yeah. So that, that, he is all about visualization about that. So I went through, um, a part of time. I mean, it really works. If you go through the, if you, if you went through, like, if I was training for something and I was like, I need to win or I'm going to die. Like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> I am going to be like, like walking up to the target, doing a visualization, like going through my form, the shot, and it went directly in the middle. And then I would draw back, anchor, and then go through my little saying. And if any part of that time, my process had a blip in it, I would let down and I would take like, you know, five seconds to take my mind off of it completely. Like there in that book, there's something like you need, I think it's five to seven seconds thinking about something totally different. And it could even be emotion like you fiddling with something to get your mind like completely off of the train of thought and the negative train of thought that it was on, um, to kind of restart. But yeah, it's, uh, gosh, dude, this is, there's so much you could do and it's all very unique to the person. But at the end of the day, you need a process or you're going to fail. 
So whatever that process is, it really doesn't matter because everyone's unique and you can be a little bit different, but there needs to be a process. As soon as, soon as you start stumbling around in the dark on like, eh, I'll just prob like, I hope it works. Like, I hope I hit it. I hope I have enough mental strength. Like you're just so vulnerable to, you know, outside forces and, you know, when yeah. something happens. Just more, more intent is what it sounds like. You know, I hear you saying just yeah. more, more intention. I think most people, myself included, you know, I look at that as like my hour, hour and a half to go up and just shoot some arrows. And I almost look at it as like a little vacation from my, you know, day to day work. And I'm just up there to relax and shoot some arrows. And, you know, consequently, I never, I always pretty much stay about the same. You know, I've never really gotten a whole lot better over the years. And I think it's just because I haven't put, you know, the intention into it that, that would probably take to actually, you know, get that much better. So, uh, interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple questions just about knocks and knock sets, which is kind of a silly, you know, silly little thing. But I remember, yeah, I remember we shot together uh, at TAC last year and I was shooting the, you know, the gold tip knocks that fit, fit the 166 arrows, the the pierces. And you'd ask me, do, how do you like those knocks? You know, do you shoot those knocks? And I said, yeah, they, they shoot okay. They're a little bit soft and they are. I think they are soft. Yeah. Um, but it's got me thinking about, uh, knocks and, and knock sets. So I wanted to ask you, um, how much do you think the knock, like how much does that play in the actual accuracy of the arrow? Uh, what do you prefer in your knocks? Like what knocks do you shoot? And then, uh, I wanted to ask you about your knock set, how you actually set up your knock set. Do you tie a knock set below one above and a D loop? Or like what considerations do you have when you set up your bow for your knock set? Yeah. So, um, I think knocks play a huge role in arrow accuracy. Um, I think more so than quality outserts or inserts and tips because the knock is the connection point to the bow. So if it is um first if there's inconsistencies like it's just a bad bad knock like quality wise and you have different you know pinch consistencies i mean that can play a factor um if knocks bend that is not good because it's going to be launching off the bow completely different um so i know guys and like i do it too not as much now um because i'm lazy but uh i know guys before every single tournament they would change all of their knocks mm. like a fresh, a fresh dozen, like just fresh every set. single time. Yeah. Because like if, if one gets bombed, if you know, you're have them in your quiver and you hit a branch or you hit a door as you're walking through or something and it just bends a little bit. I mean, when we're splitting hairs, I mean, that really matters. And I think, I mean, you've probably done it too. I've shot up like a bent, like a bent little tip or a bent insert mm-hmm. or something. And I really can't tell, like, it still always lands about the same. Like, I really can't tell, but I like some knocks that are like, eh, that's questionable. I, I've at least had personal deals where it's like, yeah, I would pay attention way more to the knock than like a good hundred percent straight, uh, you know, tip or insert or whatever. Mm-hmm. It all, it all matters. But I think what matters a little bit more is, is the knock. Um, now there's like, yeah, there's all sorts of knocks. Um, I really like. Um, I used to not like Victory's knocks, but they have since upgraded them in the past year to a, uh, it's almost like a, uh, I think it's a proprietary knock. 
uh, that they use. And then I think AAE makes it and they sell it also. Hmm. I don't even know what it's called, but it's, it's in their, uh, like their TKO series. Gotcha. Really. It's just really, uh, it's not very soft, but I, I think if I had to choose a knock, that was the absolute best knock. It would be Easton's deep six knock. Mm-hmm. Their X, their X knock. Um, yeah. just really solid. The, the closer, the closer the string in the groove of the knock and get to the carbon, I think the better. As soon as you start separating the distance, it just has more variance to bend. So it's like yeah. the knocks where it's like when you clip into the string and it's super close to the carbon, I think that is like your best bet because there's just less room for variance uh, to bend or anything. So yeah, really important to deal with knocks and, and to pay attention. And that's why I was asking you about yours because I've heard bad things about gold tips. Yeah, um, yeah, just because they're soft. I mean, they're soft. Yeah, they're they're soft. so small. Yep. And it's like even if they're in your quiver and you like rub against a tree wrong or something, and it's like they all bend sideways. I mean, I've had that happen too. Yeah, I've had uh, really. I've had knocks bend sliding down a hillside. You know, you run your quiver yeah. or something like that into a hillside as you're hiking. I've I've definitely had knocks bend, and I carried extra knocks actually. I in the past, I was curious about that. Um, in regard to knock and knock fit on your serving. Um, and this is one of the reasons that I've actually shot these gold tip knocks like over the years is I, I, I know that they're soft. I know they're, I know they can have some issues and, and I've consequently gone through a lot of them. You know, I, I'm buying them all the time, but they have pretty good knock fit. I feel like on a serving. So I was curious because mm-hmm. there's a lot of knocks, including Easton knocks, whether it's an X knock or G knock or whatever it is. It seems like most aftermarket strings or any, even, you know, like your standard zebra strings that you get on a Matthews bow seems like you pop those on it's a pretty snug fit like it's almost tight you know what i mean which yeah is not not ideal in my understanding um seems like i can get some tuning issues if my knock is too tight so i was curious do you do you have anything different do you reserve your center serving or do anything different to get better knock fit yeah i have i for sure have um kind of the rule of thumb if you hold your bow if you hold your bow like uh point facing down you just hold it with the grip then you take the string and you just pluck it. It should just pop right off. Yeah. So if it's if it stays on, I mean, there, there's obviously a level to it, and I think you can get away with a, a lot as bows have progressed um, with their forgiveness. Um, but yeah, I've definitely reserved a good amount of bows. Um, I think you know knock fit uh, like just tension wise is important, but I also think knock pinch is equally as important. Um, and I think more so if like with a modern day hunting bows without short their axle axles are. Um, so when I do my tie-ins, I like to do um, a couple knots above, a couple knots below. So I have them, you know, knots on the bottom and the below. And I will probably, like I'll probably do three passes on the bottom one and two passes on the top one, make the bottom one a little bit thicker. Um, so you do a then, you do you do a, a lower knock set and an upper knock set and then your D loops on either side of that, right? Correct. Gotcha. Yep. Is there any reason that you do so, an upper upper one? Because I've I've always just done a lower one and then D loop at the at the top end, and I give myself you know so much of a, of a gap between that and the knock as I tie yep. that in. So I have done that before. I don't. I don't. I don't, I haven't like gone through a hooter shooter and like scientifically this, scientifically mm-hmm. that. And I don't know if anyone has, but my theory on it is I can make the, the contact points of the knock a little bit more controllable 
because on a, on the D loop you almost get um like one side of the knock will have pressure on it and if i can make a perfect tie on the top and the bottom then when there is the contact points it's even contact on both sides of the knock um gotcha. and then i i think what's what's really important is the spacing like you talked about like i like to do a like a full serving diameter or two depending on like if i'm running a smaller act like a the uh, VXR27 or the V327. When I was shooting that bow, I mean, I had like two two thicknesses of of uh, of serving thickness gap because when you draw back, I mean, your string squishes. Like I don't think people realize uh, how much your knot could get pinched if you got it really tight. So, haven't and it's gonna the thing too is like when you pull back, it's gonna fall into the same place. Like you could have eight ton of space and it's still going to fall in the same place colby colby went on a tear one time and i think he does these things just to prove a point sometimes he had he had a torqueless d loop which is yeah. uh the d loop that only is on the bottom yep and he had like double a knock like like that much of space in between and he's like it's gonna fall in the same place every time it doesn't matter <laughs> like okay sure but he was shooting and it was fine. Like there's really no, like it's gonna fall the same place and it's gonna do the same thing. You know, I think the I think pinching it, pinching the knock and shoving it into the rest or picking it up off the rest is way worse than being a little loose in the D loop. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And I you you probably convinced me to. I've I've always just done it bottom knock knock point knock set you know and then arrow on top D loop but maybe I'll I'll try a uh, an upper one and I I think you're right I mean at least if you do an upper knot you know you can put your top end of your D loop there and you know your your D loop's not going to slide it's not going to pinch you're essentially set you know you've got your gap and it's going to stay as long as your knock points are tight tight so yeah relax. I mean I've set bows up I've set bows up with with nothing just a D loop. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I really could tell a difference. Interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, I think, I think it could potentially creep up on you because you don't have the knock sets like as it, as it gets worn in. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to tinker with it and see. You you talked about Colby. You're talking Colby from, from Ultraview. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let's talk Ultraview real quick. Um, yeah. What do you, yeah. What's, uh, like, what's your role over at Ultraview? I mean, do you have a role? Are you on payroll over there? Or are you just like a, a consultant? I am. Yeah. No, no, I am. I mean, I've been with Ultraview since the, since the near start. Um, Colby and I are best friends. I was the best man in his wedding. I mean, we talk like every day. Uh, but back when we were, I mean, we met back when we were like 15, 16, shooting competition archery together, um, kind of rivals. And then we became like really good friends kind of in our early college years. And that's when Ultraview started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, been with it for the growth of it all from the, from the uh, dorm room 3D printers to uh, George's pro shop back room to now 17,000 square feet yeah. with, you know, Super 37 cool. employees. I mean, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my role, I don't know. We talk about this often that I need like a position name so that yeah. I would just know how to 
identify me, but it, I, I just feel like I do a little bit of everything. I mean, I talk with engineers all the time, heavily involved with marketing. I mean, and with Colby and it's just kind of, you're kind of just been everything. You're a middle end and evolving. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's it. Um, you guys launched, so last year you guys came out with the button, the thumb button release. Uh, you got the hinge too. Yeah. You had the you had the original hinge, so you've got a couple a couple different releases. Um, I've yeah. shot I've I've shot all those releases. I shot a I shot a bull here in Utah this last year with uh, the button, which was awesome. Worked really really well. And yes, I haven't. Uh, that's the first animal I've shot with a triggered release in a really long time, which was which was interesting. Really. Yeah, yeah, probably ten years to be honest. That's the first animal I think I shot with a an actual button, you know, a thumb button or even a you know index finger release. And um, I just never had enough confidence in myself to not punch it. You know what I mean? Because I in in the moment I would get a little bit nervy and I would punch a release. Uh, so I'd always hunted with a hand for a long time, but uh, that one I was able to to set up and shoot it in a way that I felt really good. Uh, and consistent about taking it into the field. I didn't feel like I would have any issues, and I didn't. It worked great for me. Um, I was curious as to how you set your releases up, both the hinge two and then also the button, and then how you shoot those. Do you shoot them hot? Do you shoot them cold? Uh, when you shoot a hinge two and you get to full draw, are you making a conscious decision at that point to roll your hand uh, and kind of let that roll through? Or is it more of a subconscious feeling where you're just kind of relaxing your forearm, your wrist and shooting that? So I was curious as to how you shoot your releases, how you set them up and shoot them. Yeah. Um, we'll start with the hinge, I guess, because I think that's where foundation is. And then it kind of goes into the button. Um the hinge I set up probably a little cold compared to what a lot of people like. I like to, I like to put a lot of pressure uh, on my middle and my ring fingers. I don't really like to put all of my pressure on my index. Um, so starting out, like I'll draw back with a lot of pressure on all of them and I'll get anchored and I really won't move too much from how I draw back because I'm already kind of putting a lot of pressure on all of them. Um, and are you shooting so get, a, cl- a click in it then? Yes. Yep. Okay. And is that why you shoot a click? Is it so that you can feel like you can more evenly distribute the pressure between your three fingers as you come to full draw and then hit your click? Like you, you kind of have a, a, an indicator of, of sorts? Yeah. I mean, that's what a click is, is a, Yeah. I like to think of it as keep going, you're almost there. Like, I don't like to look at it as, okay, now you started. I like to, I like to think of it as like a, a, a check mark through your shot process. So I like to, like a lot of pressure. I would still do a lot of pressure if I didn't run a click. And I have, I have before just for practice or whatever. Um, I think it's more so one to save the joints on your index finger mm. because pulling back 70 some pounds with your index finger over and over and over again, it's a lot. Um, but it's also, once you get that full draw, um, to go through your shot process, you just have more influence or you already are influencing the release and don't have to, like, I know some guys, they'll, they'll like float their, their middle and ring finger, and then they'll like start to engage it once they get in. And I just, I just feel like that, um, allows for some variance 
um, because you're at full draw doing a lot of movement. Um, so I like to just get into it and get at full draw and everything is set and locked and draw back and I barely move, you know, and then I start to roll and I'm very intentional about it. Like you don't want to just be, um, sitting there hoping for it to relax and, and click in. Like I'm very intentional pushing and pulling and relaxing click. And then it's like, okay, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Boom. And then it goes. You're, you're intentional about rolling your hand, if you will, like transferring and see if, see if this, this resonates and makes sense to you. But essentially you're transferring more pressure from, you know, your pointer finger to your middle finger, your third finger, your ring finger, right? You're, you're making that rolling motion with your hand. Are you saying that like you're intentional about that? You're thinking about rolling that? You have to. A, yeah. a back tension, you know, a back tension release has to pivot for it to go off. I hadn't, I, I, I see where you're going about this because I thought a long time to be like, oh, well, being intentional about it means like you're punching it. Yeah. Or you're like trying, you're trying to make the release go off. Well, it's not. It's just being intentional about shooting the release that you're shooting. You know, it's it's understanding how it operates. And it's like, no, I am pivoting and and relaxing my hand in a way to make this release go off. But I am just being very intentional about it. Yeah. You know, before beforehand, like shooting a hinge release, I was like, just relax. Like, like it'll just go when it's ready to go. It'll be a nice surprise shot. And that made me um seize up at times like you're just sitting there like waiting and waiting and be- because you're under a little bit of pressure and you're like your muscles are a little bit different so now my mindset on it is a little bit different than what it used to be it's like no be very intentional get a full draw and start relaxing and move like literally you have to move your hand for it to go off lightly like i'm not talking like like this is very minute as you know but it's like, mm-hmm. like all these movements are very slow and it's it's a relaxation of index finger slightly and slightly more movement with your ring finger, but you have to be intentional about it or it's going to, it's going to bite you in the butt because you're going to get hung up. You're going to, you're going to have all these sorts of problems. But if you're too intentional about it, you're going to just start punching it like every other release, you know? So it's such, dude, it's such a fine line. Um, yeah, it, it is a fine line. And it's, these are just thoughts I've had, you know, while I'm shooting, you know, every day and, and yeah. trying to think about what, you know, what it is. And I've often thought that probably the weakest point that I have, like, within my shot process is actual release execution. And I, I feel like I am that guy that, uh, you know, I don't want to be too intentional about it because I have had target panic really bad to a point that was just like almost debilitating. And I was like, I'm just going to give up Archie yep. altogether. You know, I've had that. I don't ever want to go back to it. And I'm a little bit afraid of it, if I'm honest, uh, that I would ever go back to actually punching a release. So I'm thinking about these things of like, but then I also know as I look at it and as I've done it, uh, I feel like it's a more accurate shot execution. I feel like I'm more accurate if I am more intentional attention attention not attention, I can't talk. Intentional. Intentional about yeah, yeah intentional yeah. about rolling that hand. You know what I mean? Like I know that that hand has to yeah. rotate a little bit. There has to be relaxation. There has to be transfer of, of uh you know, tension from my pointer finger to those other fingers in order for that thing to go off. And so yeah, it it seems to be kind of like a you know, fine line there and I was interested in how you do it. So that's yeah. cool. 
Um, how do you shoot your button release? Do you shoot it any different? Um, yes, yes and no. Um, so same sort of thing, drawing back. I like to have a lot of even pressure on all of my fingers. Um, I like shooting the standard knob on the UV button because of the, like the spiraling, it really, really grips into my thumb. Yeah. Um, so I'll set, I'll set it up in a way to where, um, I'll stick the barrel out a little bit further. So it really gets a deep, uh, deep cut on my, on my thumb. So I'll draw back, wrap my thumb around. Um, and from there, I really just like to push and pull and relax my hand. And essentially what that does is it drags the barrel and kind of like bunches up my thumb and really cuts in. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, slight increase of pressure along with relaxing and boom, it, re- it just fires. Like I feel like I'm to a point where my button is almost more of a surprise shot than my hinge. Yeah. That's kind that, of the that same. Might be weird yeah. To say. No, I, I agree with you. Like, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I would totally concur. And it was the one reason why I why I thought like, oh, I could shoot this in a hunting situation and feel really good about it because yeah. I feel like I, I can shoot it real similar. And and I would agree with you. It's almost more of a surprise than my hinge at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so we I started shooting hinge like long time ago. Um, but then when the UV hinge came out, I was like religious, obviously, because it was the only release we had. So I didn't shoot anything else for years. But then the UV button came out and it's like, all right, you know, we need to focus more on UV button, UV button, UV button. So it's like marketing and promoting it. That's all I shot. Well, yeah. it, just by doing that, I've gotten very used to it. And I hardly ever shoot a hinge anymore. It feels like, like all I do is pick up a button. Um, so it's very interesting that, that, that transition, um, it was intentional, but it was like very natural also at the same time. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you think? One of the things that I loved about the, and I told you guys, I think I got one, I think I got one maybe just a week or so before you guys went to market with it. But one of the things that I I just absolutely loved it was that the knob that you're talking about and the neural, you know, the spiral grooves. I think that's like a, it's a big difference maker in that release. It's one of the things right out of the box as soon as I started playing with it and shoot that I absolutely loved was just the way that the thumb barrel fit in my thumb. And it did feel like it gives like a really nice bite. But I mean, beyond that, like the, you know, the design, the features, anything else in that release that you feel like is different kind of sets that release apart from other releases on the market. Yeah. I I think it offers everything into one release. And that's what we really were trying to do is we were targeting the high-end bow hunter that doesn't want to sacrifice quality or precision that very easily can be a target release. Um, and that's tough. That's tough to do. I feel like in this, in this market, um, because it weighs on one side or the other, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty heavily. Um, so yeah, no, we wanted, we wanted to, you know, really hit the market of, of all high-end precision archers and, with full adjustability, I mean, full travel, full tension. Um, and like you said, I think the barrel and the barrel adjustment is kind of underrated and yeah. doesn't get enough credit. I mean, we even have the helix knob. I mean, you can swap that out. I mean, that's a totally different feel. And I've shot that at quite a bit. And it's 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 nice. It's very, very different. It almost makes you shoot the release differently. Um, and some people love it. Some people hate it. Like, And, and that's why it's good. Because it, it it 
you know, if, if that's your style, it's, it's perfect. But, uh, yeah, man. And, and along with it being a perfect form fit to the H2, the hinge mm-hmm. two, I mean, you can swap back and forth very interchangeably. It's just a very comfy, nice feeling release. Yeah. You know, a lot of times these button releases are like just not very comfortable, you know? So yeah. that was a big thing with, with, uh, that ultra view body release was just trying to make it very comfortable, very repeatable. Um, and it almost, you know, we came out with a large and when people like, that's a large, a big question that I get is like, should I shoot the large or the medium? It's like, well, you know, you probably should shoot the medium because 85% of people, 90% of people, you know, their hand will fit in a medium. Yeah. And a lot of times if they shoot a large, they are improperly using the release. Like they're, they're putting their knuckles like way into it. So the, yeah. the tip of their knuckles hitting the medium and so like, oh, I need a large cause my fingers are so big, you know, whatever. And uh, it's like, well, yeah, like that's fine if that's your style, but probably you need to relax your hand, straighten that out and get the bed of your fingers more in the release. Or just pe- some people just have very large hands or they want to shoot gloves or whatever. Um, but we, we made the medium to fit 90% of people very comfortably. Yeah. Um, so I know one of our guys, uh, Bruce, that was like his project back, um, for hinge too, is the, the market research and the data, of just like hands. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of interesting. Yeah. It was like, it was, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone's really thought about that in like a release development, but it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. One one just like little underrated feature that I hadn't even thought about a lot was just the ability to clip that on my D loop and let it hang uh, versus a hinge, yep. which has to be looped over. And there were a lot of times on my elk hunt this last year where I was working a bull and I was hunting solo, just me and a camera guy. So, you know, I'm doing all my own calling and everything. And, um, you know, I've got a bugle in one hand and you know, a range finder and I'm trying to manage those both as I'm calling this bull in. And yeah, uh, yeah, many times, you know, I was thinking about it, like it's really so great that I can just hang my release from my D loop. And it's just like one less movement that I would have to have made with a hinge from my pocket to my release and then back onto the oh, string. Yeah. So it's just like that much quicker. And I didn't really think about it a whole lot. I thought, that's eh, not a big deal, but I can tell you unequivocally, like that was a difference maker. It's the, just the ability to hang the hang yeah. release on your D loop and it's just less movement and it's right there ready to go when I needed it. 100%. And I, I think, um, you know, Western, Western hunts, that's important, but what's more important is whitetail hunting, mm-hmm. hanging up in a tree stand. And it's like, you're, you know, it's just always at the ready. You know, you don't have to like, I know with my hinge too, I would either have like a wrist strap or in my pocket and then you got to get out of the pocket and, you know, get it on or whatever, which is fine. Um, but yeah, having that is huge. And that, that was one of the steps of like making it a bow hunting release is like, we very easily could have not had that in. And I think our first prototype iterations, it did not have it in. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had, you know, conversations like, ah, we need to like, you know, kind of tailor it towards this and and do this. But yeah, I think I even, in one of my drawers, I have one that just was a hook. So it almost was just a hook. Oh, wow. Well, well, well done. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that was, I, I've had, I've had a couple strong armed, uh, moves for ultra view. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one, uh, the hunting bracket was one, the hunting pin 
in the original UE3. I mean, Colby will admit to it, but the the foundation of Ultraview is very target related. Yeah, and it's like we've been we've been dragging it more towards the hunting world, you know. So it's like we've had a couple moments where it's like ah, we we need it to be like this. All right. Yeah. So you guys just launched uh, your B Real Two grip, and yeah, you made some you made some changes from the original grip. Uh, the original grip, for whatever reason, I put it on my bow. I just could never get comfortable with it. It just wasn't my jam, and so I ended up just shooting off the riser again. Uh, the B Real Two grip has won me over though. Like I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, and and I'm I'm all in on it. <laughs> and uh, so we've had a lot of we've had a lot of guys say that. Um, and I was very surprised because me personally, it was like, yeah, there's like, you know, it's a little bit of a change, but it's not like a whole lot. Like if yeah. you, if you love the first one, you're going to like the, the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's several, several guys. And I think a lot of it is the, uh, the index finger. There's a little bit more freedom in the front, the way yep. the shelf is kind of more swooped up and everything. I think but so yeah, too. I mean, that, just a revamp, you know, a couple, couple added features. Um, and truthfully, a lot of, a lot of the change was so that we can keep it, uh, in stock and like supply chain reasons. And we have, mm. we have less colors, so we have more hunting style colors. Um, and we have that over molded plastic, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of cool features yeah. packed in that. It's kind of underrated. It was a lot of work to, to do it for some reason. It was like that product that we, we kept running into things. I mean, it was a new uh, overmolding process and stuff that we had to figure out. So it's gotcha. a little bit of work. I can tell you, like from my experience, the things that I've noticed, uh, one of them, and I think I'd mentioned this to you and Colby is that, uh, I don't get the, you know, the bounce back on my follow through and bounce the rest off of the back of my hand and just oh, con- yeah. continually dig a hole in the back of my hand, which I used to do, uh, with, with other grips. Um, so I've noticed that this grip is abs- it's absolutely eliminated that I no longer am bouncing the wrist off the back of my hand, which is nice. It's just a, a much more comfortable follow through. The other thing is I feel like that flat back uh, and the angle of that grip, um, I feel like I'm more consistent left to right. Like I'm not getting as many left and right misses as I used to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because the, the rounding and the narrowness of that riser, if I was just shooting it off the riser, was so narrow that I was getting maybe a little bit of torque in my hand at some shots, depending on yeah. the angle. But that flat back, it really fits nice. It's super consistent, and it just sits in my hand. And I, I definitely think it's I'm getting less misses left and right, which is great, man. I'll yeah. take that any day. Which a lot of guys will experience that if they're running like the engage grip, which some people love the engage grip and that's totally fine. It is a good yeah. grip. Um, but the the roundedness of it is uh can cause people some problems. Like if it honestly, like a perfect grip, it would be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but would be like hard edges. Yeah. Like very like like a square, like a literal square. Because you can feel it and it's like repeatable and there's no all like like, ah, is it, in, is it in the same spot or is it not? Um, so having a very, like, square, rigid grip is good. It's not going to be comfortable if it was perfectly square, you know, with sharp yeah. edges, but it, that, that would be the most repeatable grip. Yeah. Yeah, I the old Matthews bows, the the risers were never rounded. They were always hard edges. Do you remember that? Did you ever – and I shot some of those off of the riser, and it was uncomfortable. The riser, yeah, yeah, the actual the the riser, and and it was uncomfortable, but it was repeatable. You definitely knew where you were at yep. every single time you drew that bow back. 
I mean, I, I know people that would take a, uh, like an Allen wrench or like just like a, uh, like a skinny little, uh, piece of metal mm-hmm. and tape it on the front of their grip so that they had like this, this peak ridge that they would put on their grip and they would literally know to put it in the same spot every single time. Gotcha. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. But it would be like, like, and there's no messing that up, you know, like you're <laughs> yeah. going to feel that in the same spot every single time. Yeah. Well, I've liked, I've liked the new grip, man. Like I said, I, I think I told Colby, I, I shot a sheep in Texas here, what, three weeks, a month ago, shot that grip, shot great. Nice. Um, you know, I absolutely loved it. So I think I'm a fan and I think I'll adopt that from now on. It just feels really good. And like I said, I, anytime I can reduce the, the left and right misses or any misses at all, I'm going to run with it. So it's been working good for me. Um, you guys just launched stabilizers. So you, you did target stabilizers. Uh, You've got a 30-inch front bar and a 15-inch back bar. Um, I was curious as, to, yep. as if you guys have any interest, you know, if you if you want to float or you got any interest in hunting at all as far as stabilizers go? We definitely have interest, yeah. We uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. we have, we have uh, the fleshing out the product line. You know, I mean, Colby will talk about his philosophy is, uh, you know, we want to make – want to make the best product in, in as many categories as we can sort of deal. And he'll, he'll say that, uh, publicly, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Stabilizers, stabilizers are a tricky thing because it's like, how innovative can you get right with a carbon tube? Like what we're trying to do is get, get weight. We're trying to put weight as far as from the bow as you can with a stiff carbon tube. And there's only so many ways you can slice that. And obviously uh, with, you know, like a hunting stabilizer, you want them dampening and some other things going on. Um, But target rods, I mean, you want it as thin as possible, as stiff as possible um, to get that weight as far out from the bow as you possibly can without having the whole rod just being super heavy. Like you don't want to weight the bow down. What you're trying to do is build inertia in the bow so that when the shot goes off, the bow doesn't move in that certain specific time. Um, so the all three stabilizers, I mean, they're really good, uh, for, for the target ones. I mean, it's, it's weird. I almost have to run less weight because it is a half inch rod and it's the thinnest, stiffest half inch rod that Mm. we could find. Um, so I almost run, I run like an ounce or two lighter, uh, than I, when I was running the sight picture is about the same. Um, and I, I can, I can run a little bit less weight because it's, the weight that's out there is just more reactive and it works better. Yeah. And you guys have, uh, so our, you have kind of a unique weight system, right? You don't, do. you don't have to, yep. you, don't so, have, you, you don't have to worry about finding, you know, infinitely long rod, you know, correct. threaded rods. Our weight is kind of underrated. Um, and we, we have some, uh, some more stuff coming out hopefully down the line of that too, but. Yeah, no, no long threads. Every single weight interlocked into into each one, so you could just have a, you know, a bag full of them, and you want to switch them out. You just pop one on, pop one off. We have one ounce and then four ounces. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's super super nice. Well, cool. We'll uh, we'll stay tuned then for hunting. We yeah. look forward to to maybe some something in the future. That'd be that'd be rad. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, cool, man. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the time. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, 
I got yeah. I got to dip here to another meeting. One one thing I do want to ask before though, this is just kind of silly, but just just in, just in order to get you to get to know you a little bit better as a person. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was I was interested. What's your what was your what was the last music that you listened to? It's a lot of the last music I listened to. Yeah, it was probably Drake. It was in Drake, Drake. on the way to office this morning. Yeah, Chris I'm B. very I'm very diverse. My music is like very diverse. Um. I've really enjoyed music on a video creation editing side of things. Mm -hmm. The guy, like when I was really getting into video editing, I mean, I had a giant library. I mean, as you know, the subscriptions to royalty music and I would just, I would really enjoy picking out music and feeling a, uh, creating emotion, you know, in the video through the music. I think that it's 50% of the watching experience is the listening experience. So I, I really, you know, in all my videos now, like I always gripe, like audio, 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 um, is so important. So yeah, no, I really like music. I mean, I'll go, I'll go, you know, Zach Bryan to Drake to Led Zeppelin to I'm all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> that's no, I like music. Yeah. I like it. I like the answer. That's, that's rad. Yeah. They asked me, I think we did a little archery shoot in the shop and they were like, Oh, we need some walkout music. And they were like, what, what do you want to do? And I was like, some ice cube song, you know, and I'll, <laughs> I'll really, dive into that every now. I'll dive into that every now and again. Yeah. 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 Wild, I think it was wild like, road trips. I got to. <laughs> yeah. Ain't got no haters. I think is what the one I just, just for kicks and giggles. Cause it's a funny ass song and you know, you got, uh, it's good anyway but um That's yeah they cool. were all they were all like what really i'm like yeah man i like some ice cube so <laughs> anyway I, I i appreciate you uh jumping on uh i could talk forever but um, yeah man thanks thanks for giving me the hour um we'll look forward to to staying in touch and then hopefully we run into each other sometime this summer at attack event and shoot some arrows together 100 percent. thank you man yeah have a good one oh.